Welcome everybody to another episode of the Jadava Show. Uh, we are once again in my car, so I do apologize for the acoustics. Uh, but if you are uh, listening to this podcast, then you're clearly a huge fan and will listen no matter what. Uh, so uh, don't really worry about the acoustics as much. I hope one day I can get better acoustics uh, within whatever confined place that I am recording the Jadava Show. But um, unfortunately... Um, I know this is a big deal and very sad for everybody, um, not just me, but for everybody, but uh, no Victory Monday or Victory Week this week, um, very sad. Um, the Washington Commanders lost to the Detroit Lions yesterday, 36-27 uh, to 27 in a weird game. Uh, Detroit dominated all throughout the first half. Um, I, you know, I got to give them credit. The, first of all, for Washington, the defense stinks. I got no problems with the offense but the defense stinks. Uh, by the way, what, what was up with Ron Rivera uh, going for two to make it a, th- a what was it, a six-point game instead of a seven-point game? It, I, I just didn't get that. Like The point was when we were down 22 to seven, you're going to score, you need two touchdowns, an extra point, and a two-point conversion to tie the game. I get that. So down 23 to seven or 22 to seven, they score another touchdown, and they go for two there, and they get it. So it's 22 to 15. Now they just need a touchdown to uh, tie it, basically. A touchdown extra points to tie it. Uh, well, the Lions go down and score. It's 29 to 15, and then the Commanders score again, and they go for two and don't get it. Now it's 29 to 21. I, I get it. Like, if they make the two-point conversion, it's 29-23, and a touchdown extra point gives you the lead if your defense is able to hold, which... I mean, obviously, they were not able to do, but still, I, I just thought a lot of the play calling, like that flea flicker, I think it was late in the first half. Uh, you know, they they have a throwback to Wentz, and he just chucks it as far as he can, um, and it really didn't work out. Like, what was that play call? The coaching, just in general, like, yes, Ron Rivera going for two when he didn't need to. The flea flicker call... What the heck is going on with Jack Del Rio? Why is he still the defensive coordinator of our team? Why can't this team ever have a defense? The defense just stinks. They gave up, like, so far this year, they're giving up over eight yards a carry to running backs. James Robinson, Travis Etienne, uh, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams. Those guys are averaging over eight yards an attempt against Washington this year. That's just... I don't even know what to make of that because it's such a stat that you never hear about. Like, it's usually like a bad team gives up five yards a carry, but Washington's given up eight yards a carry. Like, every time they touch the ball, they're getting close to a first down. They aver- I mean, the Lions, it felt like, averaged over 10 yards a play yesterday. It was – the defense is awful. It hits, it's always awful. I know everybody will say, well, 2020 it wasn't awful. Listen, I went back. The seven wins – Washington had in 2020 with that defense the quarterbacks we beat were Carson Wentz who had the worst year of his career Andy Dalton twice uh slash Ben DiNucci um there was Nick Mullins there was Jalen Hurts there was Big Ben who was at 38 years old was not one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL so there was 38 year old Big Ben which is basically like playing a bottom tier quarterback um and I feel like I'm missing somebody. Who who am I missing? That we that the uh, that Washington beat that year. Is it was that seven? 
So that's seven wins. I can't remember. And Jalen Hurts, I think. I, I don't know if I mentioned Jalen Hurts. But Jalen Hurts slash Nate Sudfeld. And before Nate Sudfeld come in, came in, Hurts was dicing up Washington's defense with two rushing touchdowns. That's the kind of quarterback Washington's never been able to defend, whether it's Michael Vick, Lamar Jackson, Colin Kaepernick back in the day, Jalen Hurts. They just can't, they, Those guys just go nuts against Washington. So it's it sucks. You know, the defense will always stink. Um, and this year, it would really be nice if they were actually pretty good because the offense is great. I mean, we've got legitimate options on offense with McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson co-leads the NFL in touchdown catches, uh, and Logan Thomas got into the action. McKissick's a great pass-catching back. Gibson's also a pretty good pass-catching back, not really a good running, running back right now. I, I will give credit to the Lions. They may actually be a real team. So people say, oh, you lost to the Lions. Well, they're actually not your every year Lions. Like they have a legitimate pass rush. I mean, Carson Wentz just had no chance to throw the ball yesterday. I felt like I'm in that safety um, that they had where Wentz was strip sacked, the ball went out of the end zone for a safety. Like, you know, the pressure was on Wentz almost immediately. And it was almost the entire first half. Now Wentz and the offense came alive in the second half and it was a kind of impressive to watch. Um, to see them actually do that. But for the most part, it was really kind of disappointing um, that they couldn't move the ball on this defense in the first half or else you might we might be singing a different song uh, today. But give credit to the Lions. I mean, they have an efficient passing game. This guy, Amonra St. Brown, you probably wouldn't have heard of him a year ago today, but all of a sudden he has gone six straight games of at least eight catches and at least one touchdown. He's done that six straight games, and that's the longest such streak in NFL history. That's, like, insane. Like, I don't know how a guy like that just comes out of nowhere. Like, no, like who was scouting Amonra St. Brown that they couldn't see the talent he had? He also had, like, a 50 or a 60-yard run yesterday. It, it was – look, I'm not overly upset because I don't think the season's over – by any means, like, I think I've seen a lot of Commanders fans say, oh my gosh, the season's over, of course it's not, it's one game, it's the Lions, they're actually a really bad matchup for Washington because of the pass rush, um, and because their running game is just suffocating, and that's, I mean, yes, Washington might struggle against the Eagles next week, but also, Washington has always played the Eagles a little more tight than they play other opponents, you know, this is not going to happen every week. Now, the defense will be a problem most weeks, but a blowout is not going to... Like, the game flow will be different every week. Washington's going to win games, and they're going to compete for the division. Um, But, yeah, it was... I'm not overly upset. We just got outgunned by a team that saw our weaknesses and exploited them and just went hard after them every single time. And you got to respect a team like that, especially when it's the Lions. Like, you got to respect the Lions for that because it's, you know, it's hard. Like, if it was the Cowboys doing that, I would be more upset. But it's the Lions. Like, they're a team that, you know, they, they just, they're such a tortured franchise and fan base. It, it, it really feels like that's a team going in the right direction. And the dominant win they had over over the Commanders is really a good stepping point for them. Obviously, from a commander standpoint, it was very tough to swallow and see the defense look as bad as it did. Um, so anyway, that's all I'll really go into the commanders. It looked it was bad. They're one and one. Season's not over. They got a great chance to make the playoffs because they have a hell of an offense, and the D, the division's going to be really stingy. Um, how about Tua Tungavailoa? By the way, um, first quarterback in Dolphins history to throw six touchdowns in a game since Dan Marino did it in the in the eighties. 
Uh, it's been 40 years since we've seen a quarterback throw four, uh, six touchdowns in a game in Miami, and Tua did it. I mean, that that offense, they're the, they are about as explosive an offense as – I mean, everybody in the offseason thought, well, Tyree Kill, what will he be without Patrick Mahomes? I kept thinking, well, it's not going to be much different because – you know, Tyree Kill is going to ball no matter who the quarterback is. Patrick Mahomes just so happens to be the best quarterback in the NFL. So obviously Tyree Kill is going to look great. But some receivers can look great even without top-notch quarterbacks. Devontae Adams still looks pretty good without Aaron Rodgers and having Derek Carr, who is a steep drop-off from Aaron Rodgers. Tua is a steep drop-off from Patrick Mahomes. But Tua is like Tua is finally starting to come into his own where I think he is the solid like he is going to end up a solid borderline top 12 guy in the league. I don't think he's ever going to be like a top 5 guy or top 8 guy even. Um but I think he's sort of emerging into the Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo sort of tier of NFL quarterbacks where he's good enough to win you a lot. I mean, Tua's 15 and 8 and 23 starts that's not an accident like that that means you have to be pretty good and and the guys I just mentioned Tannehill you know a car you know all those guys Cousins Dak those guys can win a lot of games you can win divisions with those guys I don't think you can win a Super Bowl with any of them like I don't think right now you could win a Super Bowl with Tua but you can win a lot of games and you can look really good doing it like I I really think Tua is a franchise quarterback I don't think he's an elite quarterback and I don't think that's his ceiling but I think he's definitely a franchise guy that can win division titles even in a division with Buffalo the Dolphins yesterday became the first team in NFL history to have a player Tua record at least 400 yards and five touchdowns while also having two teammates that each had 170 or more yards in a game and two touchdowns Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill that's a clunky stat but that's something I mean that's that's just how many times do you have a quarterback who throws for at least 400 yards and five touchdowns and two of his receivers had 170 and two touchdowns that that was that was an incredible display they were down 35-7 at one point in the second half to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and Lamar Jackson balled out over 300 yards he had four total touchdowns he had over 115 rushing yards he had like a seven, what a seventy-nine yard rushing touchdown. It, that loss was not on Lamar Jackson. Tua just went all the way down the field five times at the end of the game in the second half, like the final quarter and a half of the game, and 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 just it it was impressive. I, I give him a lot of credit. It was a very impressive game. And another stat that I saw by Tua that you might not realize: Tua is seven and one in his career against Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Uh, Super Bowl winning coaches. He just so John Harbaugh is a Super Bowl winning coach. Tua is seven and one. Of course, four of those wins are against Bill Belichick. He's four and zero against Belichick in his career. His only loss is to Andy Reid uh, in twenty twenty. But yeah, four wins against Belichick. He just beat John Harbaugh. Uh, it's so far this year, both of his wins have come against Super Bowl winning coaches. I don't know what that means on a Tua level, but. They, I mean, the Dolphins could could mess around and get a wild card spot. They're not going to be better than Buffalo this year. The Bills are the best team in the NFL. But the Dolphins, I mean, gosh, they just are explosive a way that very few teams in the NFL are explosive, and that is how you win games in the NFL. You have to be explosive on offense. You can't just settle on, you know, having an efficient passing game and a dominant defense. The explosive teams 
are the teams that are going to make a difference and actually win a Super Bowl this year. Buffalo is one of those teams. The Rams, I think, as they get more comfortable this year, of course they didn't play in the preseason, they can be one of those teams. That's why I'm not high on Tampa Bay. They're a defense-efficient football team, efficient on offense, passing the ball team, and I just don't think that wins in the NFL anymore. But the Dolphins, of course, not saying they're a Super Bowl team, but I am saying that they could totally make a run because they're built the way good teams are built. Um, So that was a big shocker. I love seeing Tua and the Dolphins win that game. I root for them. I really do. I feel bad for Miami, but they had a great game yesterday, and they're going to be a handful for a lot of teams this year. Okay, the Broncos um, barely won 16-9 against the Texans at home yesterday, their home opener. Um, I think the Broncos at this point are in the running for the worst coach team in the NFL. They So obviously last week you saw against Seattle, they had that timeout dilemma at the end of the game. They had a fourth down at around midfield, let with, you know, they had like 30 seconds they let off the clock uh, because they weren't sure what they were going to do. They just were disorganized, and they finally called a timeout with like 20 seconds to go. And then they, instead of deciding Russell Wilson could pick up a fourth and five, they were like, well, we'd rather, we feel better about a 64-yard field goal, which if they make it would be the second longest field goal in NFL history to try and win the game. Of course, uh, Brandon McManus didn't make it, and the Broncos lost the game, and everybody attacked Nathaniel Hackett for that. And I sort of gave him grace. I thought, well, you know what? You know, it's a tough one. But, you know, it's it's his first NFL game as a head coach. I'll give him a pass. But yesterday was just, I mean, gosh, the play clock management is so bad. At one point during that game, you had people in the crowd that were chanting or like that, that were loudly counting the play clock down the way that like the, the basketball fans do at basketball games when the play clock is winding down. They start like loudly chanting the ball, the the clock going down, so the players can hear it. Sometimes it's a taunt. That's what the Broncos fans were doing for Nathaniel Hackett because they were like, "You're so disorganized. We don't trust you to get this playoff in time." They are now 0 for six scoring touchdowns in the red zone, and they had two separate delay of game penalties during field goal attempts. It, this is a disorganized offense. A lot of people just sort of thought, well, you plug Russell Wilson in and it's going to solve all the t- all this team's problems. But there's a lot more to being a head coach than just play calling. Like, you can't just be like, you know what, we're, we're just going to, you know, have a great offensive game plan. We've got all these trick plays. We've got an offensive guru. Like, what makes Sean McVay great is not only is he a great time management c- coach, He's also, like, he knows how to coach the time. He knows how to coach the clock, you know, the play clock. He knows how to get plays off in time. That that goes a long way, and that's very underrated with coaches. And, uh, and obviously, Nathaniel Hackett, you know, some guys are just in over their head as head coaches. Nathaniel Hackett, in the early going, looks like it. I remember, I mean, you can tell early, too. Freddie Kitchens, early on, looked like he was in over his head in Cleveland. Joe Judge with the Giants looked like, yeah, this is not the kind of job for him. He's a great special teams coach, but he's not a head coach. And that was very clear even early. Uh, Matt Patricia in New England, very quickly you could tell, okay, this guy, you know, may be a good defensive coordinator. But, you know, a lot of times you look at, like, Andy Reid's offensive coordinators. Like, some sometimes those guys don't work out because Andy Reid's calling those plays. You know, when Matt Nagy took a head coaching job, it wasn't as good. 
when Bill Belichick, when his defensive guys, Brian Flores took a head coaching job, wasn't as good. Uh, you know, this is, uh, well, Nathaniel Hackett is under the Matt LaFleur tree already. Matt LaFleur was calling those plays. And Nathaniel Hackett gets a head coaching job, and all of a sudden you see, well, dang, he's not as much of an offensive genius as we thought he was. It, it is tough. Like, a lot of coordinators really do not work as head coaches. Now, I know that's all head coaches are, former coordinators, but, I mean, the majority of coordinators that get head coaching jobs don't work out. You know, that's why you see, like, seven to eight jobs getting opened up every every year. It's because of stuff like that, because not every time that a coordinator gets a head coaching job, it works out. Actually, <laughs> I pride say 75% of the time it does not work out, and it's very rare you find a coordinator that ends up being a great head coach. And Nathaniel Hackett, early on, it looks like this guy's kind of a bum head coach. Don't want to write him off or bury him too early. But, I mean, it's been <laughs> it's been rough, to say the least. I mean, it's been hard to watch this offense. Um, and, yeah, I, I feel bad for him because... Obviously, this was the you know this was the Broncos' year. Everybody was picking them as a dark horse to go to the Super Bowl, and they're they're one and one, and they're a very inefficient offense and a horribly coached team. And it really just does not look like this is a team that can make noise, especially with the Chargers and the Chiefs playing so well in division. Uh, but of course, a lot can change. But I mean, they're already in season, and they have gone to the red zone six times, and they have scored zero touchdowns. That's a big deal. So. A lot of that stuff, it's hard to fix overnight in a season. So, um, yeah, I mean, so the bi- another big takeaway I saw, so the, the Buccaneers won again. They're 2-0. They beat Dallas last week. They beat uh, the New Orleans this week. They feasted off the Saints having a very, very injury-prone or currently injured quarterback in Jameis Winston. But Tom Brady, at the very moment, is 20th in the NFL in passing yards. He's 21st in the NFL in passer rating, and that's, before Tannehill, Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins, and Josh Allen go tonight, those guys still have to play in week two. But Tom Brady has two touchdown passes in two games. He doesn't even have 500 yards passing. It's, I mean, look, the Buccaneers are vulnerable right now. Mike Evans just got, he got in a fight with Marshawn Lattimore. He's suspended for week three. Uh, Chris Godwin's going to be out for a few more weeks. Julio Jones didn't play yesterday. Gronk's not there. And they don't have an offensive coach anymore. It's Todd Bowles. Look, it is interesting, to say the least, to see Tom Brady go to sort of go through the motions of an NFL season. You know, he's winning, but beyond that, he's going through the motions of the season. And the biggest example of that is the, you know, family drama that's going on. You know, he's not living with Giselle Bunchen, his his wife. They are currently separated because Giselle got mad that he got to, he went out of retire, unretired, he retired, then unretired and came back and wanted to play football again. And there was all these talks about, oh, he wanted to move to Miami. And now he's going to take a job as the new uh, lead analyst on Fox whenever he retires. Uh, you know, I think, she has just sort of thought, you know, I've put my career off as a model for years for you to be, you know, to play quarterback in the NFL. And you've been doing it for a long time. And you told me you were done and you and you told the world you were done. And, you know, I thought, okay, you know, like, here's my chance to really get my career back on track. And, and you decide to come back out of retirement. There's a lot of trouble in paradise between Tom and Giselle. And understandably so. It, it you know, 
the wife is allowed certainly to have her opportunities and tom brady has sort of kept her from having her opportunities she's got to stay at home with the kids now, i know they can afford every nanny in the world the best nannies in human history but you know, i mean they want to spend time with their kids and giselle does but tom brady doesn't tom brady even said in recently in a radio interview i haven't seen i haven't been home for christmas like in years i haven't there's a lot of birthdays people's birthdays that i haven't celebrated in 25 years and he kind of misses that. And he's starting to experience what most people experience in the NFL is hardships. And you're sort of starting to see it on the field. He seems a little distracted. Have you seen him in the post-game interviews? It looks like he's lost 15 pounds. Like, he looks, th- like, thin. Like, like not thin like, like you know, somebody's big and then they lose a lot of weight and you look thin. Like, that's a compliment. Like, Tom Brady's always been fit, but he looks thin now. Like, you look at his face, like his jawbone. It's just, it kind of, it's kind of like, like you look at him and you think you're looking at a slightly better looking version of Michael Jackson. Like there's serious Botox there. There's been surgery that's happening. Like, I don't know. It just, it, that's, I mean, the game itself, like the defense dominated Jameis was Jameis, but Tom Brady, like you sort of see it, like you see like the end might be coming. Like this could actually be the last year and Brady could retire again next year, but actually mean it because he always wanted to play till he was 45. He is 45 now. His play has sort of fallen off. His receivers are all banged up, and it would it would be a lot to go to a new franchise at age 46 next year. I just don't see it happening. I personally don't. I just don't. So that's 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 sort of my biggest takeaway watching the the Tampa Bay the Tampa Bay game against New Orleans. Um all right, uh we'll end sort of going over the picks. I I you know, I hope you didn't bet using the picks that I had because I went a whole three and ten on my picks. I, I got the Jets right. You know, I was right on the Jets plus six. They actually won all outright. I didn't expect that. I'm you know, I might have predicted that, but I, I I wasn't overly expecting it. But I got the Jets right. The Colts and Jags. I got the Jags plus three and a half. The Jags are an easy bet at home against Indianapolis. They've won eight straight games against them, which, by the way, Jim Mersey, Carson Wentz, leads the NFL in touchdown passes and second-most yards, and his team has a better record than yours, and your quarterback <laughs> is one of the league leaders in interceptions, has one of the lowest passer ratings in the NFL. Matt Ryan, complete downgrade from Carson Wentz. I've been saying it all along. I don't understand why people thought Matt Ryan would be better than Carson Wentz, but you saw it yesterday. They got shut out at Jacksonville. Carson Wentz didn't at Jacksonville, but Andrew Luck did, and now Matt Ryan did. Huh. Maybe Carson Wentz wasn't the problem after all, Jim Irsay. Yeah. Anyway, that was my little Jim Irsay rant. I'm actively rooting against the Colts for that very reason. So it's nice to see them now 0-1-1 and one of the more struggling offenses in the league. Uh, And then the Bears and the Packers, I got that right. I got Green Bay minus 10. Packers dominate the Bears. They own them. Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears. Uh, I was wrong on New Orleans uh, covering, the Panthers covering, the Steelers, the uh, Commanders, the Ravens, the Rams, the Seahawks, Bengals, Broncos, and Raiders. Uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Three and ten, but I'm still winning this season. I'm eleven and ten. Uh, no, I'm not. I am. What's the math on that? Four, fourteen and thirteen, rather. I am 14 and 13 picking NFL games this year. Um, I did pick 
the two Monday night games, so we will uh, obviously be courteous of that. I'll be making my picks on Friday, but uh, that was this episode of the Jadava Show. I appreciate everybody for sticking around till the very end if you did, and if you didn't, it's not like you're going to notice anyway because you aren't even hearing what I'm saying right now. Uh, good week to a football. A lot of crazy games. I didn't even mention the Cardinals-Raiders game. That was a that was a big comeback by uh, Arizona. The Raiders are in big trouble at 0-2 in the toughest division of football. Um, look, uh, it's going to be a fun year. We're only two weeks in, but it's going to be a really fun year in the NFL, and I can't wait for it. Uh, but that is it for today's episode of the Jadava Show. We will see you all Friday. I'm your host, Jacob Valliere, and uh, have a good rest of your week.